This is the SPM Show, episode number 228. Hello, everybody. What is going on? Welcome back to the show, the SPM Show. I am your host, Bruce Irving, here with you for another podcast episode. Hopefully, you're doing great. You're having a great week so far, and we're going to give you a little bit of inspiration in this. But first, I have to say thank you to a couple sponsors for our show. The first sponsor is us, SPM Marketing. We do marketing for restaurants, digital marketing, Facebook, Instagram, email, Facebook bots, all of that for you. We also do some consulting. So if you need some help inside of your business, you can definitely check us out. Smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip. We only work with one style of restaurant. We are expanding more to restaurants as uh, we get requests for other restaurants because what we do is very easy to implement for any style of business. So no matter what business you're in, and you're listening to this podcast, whether you're a real estate agent, a plumber, a restaurant, a pizzeria, what we talk about, you can do in your business for sure. And if you want some tactics as to what's working today, go check out our YouTube channel and our Facebook page because those are valuable resources for you to be able to learn. We do more quick bite videos in there, three tips for Instagram, how to use Facebook bots, all those over on our platforms over there. But if you want some help inside of your marketing, go to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip and then you'll have to put your name and email and uh, some information about your business and we'll get back to you and we can work together i want to work with you i want to help as many people as i possibly can grow their business locally and i know that there's a lot of companies out there trying to sell you courses and products and services and the reason i know that is because they email me asking me questions and i would rather just help you myself smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip and also if you're looking for a point of sale system on a budget for your restaurant. Listen, there's a lot of point of sale companies out there, a lot of point of sale systems you can use, but we suggest you try Square for restaurants. It's a new point of sale system from Square, built to speed up your pizzeria restaurant operations and make you run faster and affordably. Helps you with the front of the house, create tables and floor plans, custom menus, track covers, and assign items to seats to speed up the check splitting process. It also helps you, uh, your chefs keep servers in sync with coursing, one tap firing and auto 86ing. Uh, and delivery integration with Caviar. That's coming hopefully in 2019. And peace of mind, you know, you want reports. You want to know what's working, what's not working, what's selling, what isn't selling, what products should we bump up to the beginning of the menu and what products should we get off the menu because they're not selling. They help you with all that as well. So if you want some more information on this, head over to squareup.com. Squareup.com is the website and let them know you heard them on the SPM show. All right, let's get into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. Excited for my guest today. His name is Christian Patriarca from Slice420. We're going to talk pizza, business, all that good yeah. stuff here, his story. So Christian, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Yeah, Bruce, I love your show. Thank you for having us today. We're really um, excited to contribute to your show. So we, thank you. We met, I believe, for the first time at last year's Pizza Expo. We kind of talked for a few minutes. I, uh, You told me a little bit of your story, so, but I was curious as to how you got into this, and I know you moved from Florida to Colorado where you are now. So give us a little background about how you got into the pizza business. Like, Where did all your culinary expertise come from? You don't have enough time for me to tell you exactly where I came from. I started at 12 years old in Pennsylvania, and I stuck with it. I'm 36 now, so I've actually haven't got a paycheck cut for me for any company for about 13 years. I've been creating my own paycheck inside of the pizza business for the last 13 years. Amazing. Where'd it's you, awesome. Where was your first pizza job? My first pizza job was in Mount Pocono, Pennsylvania is at brother Bruno's. Was it like making pizza or was it just doing dishes or like a bus boy? 
Yeah, so the kid Antonio who owned the store, his mom owned the store. It was just a hangout, and I, I started to work, and I started to really fall in love with the working and just getting involved and helping people because people really like people that work hard. It's just you get patted on the back. You get commended. Yeah. You always wanted. You always needed. So what I was putting in, I was getting pats on the back. Oh, this kid's amazing, and I really just stuck with it and told myself at 13 that I wanted to own my own pizzeria. So that was one dream I had early on. And how long did it take you to actually make that happen? I was 24 years old in my first partnership. Really? Yes. And what was the name of that pizzeria? Is it the one you have now? No, it was called Perini's Pizza. It was in Boca Raton. It's called Stella's Pizza now. And it was a partnership actually that went bad between a father and son. You know, you hear about partnerships. It's true. You know, be careful about them. You know, it has to be structured. But partnerships can be, you know, a hazardous thing or it could be a great thing. Make a long story short, bad partnership, went south. I went my other way, got a couple of jobs, saved my money, opened a pizzeria in West Palm Beach, Florida in 2010 called the Bronx Tale Pizzeria and Italian Cuisine. That's when really my journey started with my own real money investment, putting into the business and all the pressure on my shoulders was in 2010. No matter how many pizzerias I ran, no matter how much dishes I, and yes, going back to that, starting from the bottom at 12 years old, I didn't mean to jump around. Washing dishes, rolling pizza dough, making that slice pie. It was like kind of always wanting to jump on that dough every single chance I got. Didn't matter how I had to do it. I used to get off of the school bus and go to the pizzeria. I didn't go play hide and go seek. I didn't go, you know, play ring around the rosy. I was go in that pizzeria really working for free. Free? Free. What made you like it so much? Like what was it about it that drew you in? You know, moving around a lot before I was 13 years old, my parents moved around about four or five times. So it was hard to fit in. Every time I tried to fit in, getting jumped in school, getting picked on in school, and that's the reality of it. But when I found something that liked me back, when I put effort into it, that's what made me fall in love with it. It was the gratification of like putting something into it and getting something good back out of it. It was cool to see, you know, doing something and changing something. And where did you... Did you learn how to make pizza in the restaurant business just by actually just doing it? Or did you have a, uh, someone you looked yeah, up to? Or? I first started making pizza with a rolling pin. Listen, the person who trained me was a 15-year-old kid. <laughs> His mom opened up a pizzeria, split up with her husband, and the son was running the businesses. It was two brothers, Anthony and Christopher. We were best of friends. I used to sleep over their house. Listen, we used, to, we used to take our mom's car at night before we had a license and go drive around. I mean, we were, we were friends before anything, you know? So yeah. in the pizza business, we bonded there. We worked hard. We played around. We went to high school. It was a crazy experience. It was a great experience. But it was my hands that learned pizza with a rolling pin. I don't use a rolling pin anymore, and we don't use screens. But, you know, we do hand-tossed pizza, and that's what I first started to learn with rolling pizza dough, making pizza sauce. Everything was from scratch. It wasn't frozen dough coming in the back door. It wasn't opening a can of sauce and just putting it on top of a pizza. It, it didn't have anything to do like that. Not saying I haven't worked in establishments that were like that. Of course I have. So I've been on both spectrums because I've worked in mom and pops and I've worked in four-star restaurants in Fort Lauderdale, Miami Beach, Boca Raton, Florida. So I've been all around. We're, let's, take you, let's take it to current present day. What are you doing now? Where are you? Right now, I'm in Colorado Springs. I moved here from, in 2016 from uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, where I sold my business in 2016, and I sold it. I was blessed. I sold it for a 5X multiple, 
and it served me for six years. And I did $4.3 million inside of those six years. And let me say something. I didn't have $1,000 when I started the business. Well, hold on. I started the business with $20,000 down. I got a $45,000 note from the owner with no interest. I paid it off in five years, created $4.3 million in sales, and had absolutely nothing to show for it. And that's being real. That's just being real. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It's how much money you can keep in the bank. So I learned through those six years of the ups and downs. And I try to create something in this business, present business today in Slice 420. I took out all the cancers from 2010 to 2016 and try to refine, remodify the people, process, and product and really bring that to the market today. And that's why I think that we're so successful today. We're running at a 20% plus net profit margin. We already have our investment back inside of the bank. We've already invested. This store produced a liquor license, more refrigeration. We're in a remodel right now. We have a full staff. We have workman's compensation. We give 40 hours paid vacation to anybody that's with us for 40 hours plus. I got it. We have like several people out of 10 who are salaried employees who actually three sick days every six months. So we want to give back in the small business to our people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. So when you say that you worked for six years and you, so you're basically saying you worked for six years and you didn't really make any money. What were the problems that you had to fix in this one to turn it all around? I took out the full menu. I, I got out of having an oversized menu, yep. having too much products, having too much um, labor, having too much to handle. It wasn't simple. My pizzeria in Florida was the 1990s menu. It had the chicken. <laughs> I know, yeah, the I, chicken I know the menu. It's like, you know it, you know it. It's, yeah. it's just an oversized menu with over a hundred and something things on the menu, which I condensed over those six years to maybe 120 to 70 because I started to learn, but I didn't have enough capital to really dig in and do what I wanted to do. Uh, but I put my business up on the market. It had the numbers and I sold it for a 5X multiple and 2016, moved to Colorado Springs, found a really cool business partner that's been in the culinary industry for his whole life. And we decided to join forces and we opened up Slice 420. And, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a true blessing. And, you know, to throw some numbers out there, why not? I mean, we're just talking openly and, you know, I'm proud to say it, but very blessed to say it. On our first year of business in Colorado Springs, in 12 months, we did $550,000 in just credit card sales. Wow. Now, I love, that you, like, I love yes. that you noticed that the menu was too big. A lot of people are struggling with that right now, and I think that it's hard because labor is so expensive and it's increasing everywhere, and you know the cost of doing business aren't decreasing. They're increasing, and you see people with these massive menus that need so many people to produce them, and if they just looked at the menu – they would realize that probably half of their menu isn't even generating any kind of net sales. You know what? You're absolutely right. Right now, I think through this conversation, people should be able to save right now 10 to 20% just from these few minutes if they get these nuggets. That if you streamline your menu and your process, you'll be able to streamline your labor. And that essentially is going to lower down your food costs and labor costs. Yeah. And then you'll be able to promote more things like putting it back into the business versus just throwing it out the window. If you open at 11 o'clock in the morning, I want you to look in and evaluate your staff. First of all, how many hourlies do you have compared to your salaries? And why don't you salary people? People might be tend to do their job quicker to get out at night. If I paid somebody a salary 
and I paid somebody an hourly. At the end of the night, they might be quicker to sweep him up versus that dude who's might dragging it out for an extra half hour. Trust me. And it all comes down to that management. Who's in your business watching over the menu, watching over your labor? I mean, it really stems down to the owner of the business. And I think people in their head are probably, because I was a restaurant owner, so I know this, Like, but they're like, well, if I pay them a salary, they'll rush to get the job done half-assed, and then they'll just try to get out of there as quick as possible. Yeah, so that you know, there's always there's always a fine line, right? But I think so, that but people it, get paid hourly do the same thing. Say that again. People who get paid hourly kind of did the same thing, at least for me. Yeah, I mean, me too sometimes, right? But I know one thing: I'd rather go to work somewhere and not know if I get 50 hours this week, and then the next week I got 35. Right. You know, you have stability. So, so what I try to do is give my guys stability. They know what they're getting. They come into Vegas with me, and they're getting paid. How cool is that? that is so they're on a salary, coming to Vegas, getting paid, right? And then they get, on top of that, their 40 hours paid vacation after being with the company for 12 months and getting three days sick. And I just want to say one thing. I didn't establish that. The general manager of Slice 420 did. So it just goes to show you who's around you. Like she brought in and helped me get this foundation together and she really launched it. So at the end of the day, if you have people that have it, that accept your vision and want to help you with your vision, sky's the limit, man. But if you have people around you and nobody is knows your culture, knows your mission, and knows what you stand for, I think you know it's it's very tough. That happened to me in in, in West Palm Beach in a Bronx tale. It was tough because I didn't have the right people, I didn't have the right structure, I didn't have the right process. I tried my best, I gave it my heart, it just didn't work. Now you know, after six years, I felt like having a ball and chain on. You don't ever want to have that feeling again. Right. So it's time to say, what didn't work? This didn't work. Don't be blind to it. Listen, if you have a better meatball than me, I want your meatball recipe. I'm sorry. I don't care if it's my grandmama's recipe from Italy in 19. 19- <laughs> I don't care. If you have a better recipe, I'm not a dumb guy. I'm going to learn and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change things. I'm not going to stay the same for long. I think if you sit too long in your business, you become stagnant. If you're not thinking for the future, if you're not inspiring your team, you're done. You're finished. That's why Kmart's not around anymore because right. they stopped evolving. What like so? How did you just want to get? I know you. I'm trying to figure out how to say this the right way where I can say it. So you obviously changed things when you got to Colorado. Why didn't you just fix them in Florida? Were you just afraid? Was it just like you know what the business was too established and you were a fear took in, or you weren't ready for that yet, or what was the problem there? Because there were some points where I didn't even have enough money to close down for 30 days what I needed to do. Got it. You know, I was going month to month, and sometimes I was two months behind. My kids didn't know that. My wife knew, but they never felt that because I still got to, I still got up and went to work right. every day. I still made it happen. I didn't let that become my circumstance. And plus, in 2000, when my daughter was born, Sophia. In 2013, Sophia started having seizures at six weeks old. So that was really a, a roller coaster because you don't know what's going on. Right. My wife was in the hospital for two weeks at a time. I had to take care of my other two kids. And I had to, <clears throat> excuse me, and I had to take care of 12 employees. So it was pretty tough. Yeah. But you know what? Still went to work. Still made it happen. Didn't, didn't make a difference. Didn't, didn't define who I was going to be. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people listening right now may be struggling with is not necessarily the family issue. Obviously, that's something totally different, but the business mm-hmm. issue where maybe you don't have enough money to close down for 30 days. What would you tell them to do? Would, do you think that they should just bite the bullet and try to figure it out and close and revamp the menu and redo the systems and processes? Do you think that's the better bet or do you think they should just chip away at that menu and eliminate things slowly over time? 
So here, here's, here's an example of an experience. I didn't raise my menu for four years or three and a half years from 2010 to about 2013 and a half. I didn't raise my menu. When I had a business coach who was my best friend, Mark Feinberg, he took me under his wing and we started meeting together on a regular basis because there were some things that I was afraid to do because I had nobody in front of me helping me. Right. That's the thing. You do business alone and nobody's there to coach you and help you from, from an outside perspective. And it could, it could be, you know, it could be detrimental to your business. So Mark told me, how would you like five weeks in your, five weeks in a four week business, a four week period? How would you like to get five weeks out of a month? That's what he said. Yeah. I said, of course, it would be awesome. He said, come to my office. I went to his office. He said, I want you to raise your price 20% across the board right now. No, I can't, you know, that right now you want to change this or you want to go out of business maybe in three months and you still got 50,000 in sales a month and you can't make it. What's wrong with you? Your food cost is out of whack. Okay. So I called the menu company. I, I raised my prices 20%. The next week we went, we, we just raised sales 20%. And you know what? A few people said something and we prevailed for another four years and we raised our menu. So yeah, I would say to the small business owner out there is to not just pull the trigger and just you know, choke yourself, maybe take some steps, build a plan. What do you want to do? What are the changes that you want to make? Right. Have a plan first. Then from that plan, go to, go to your audience, let them know that we're in construction to make it better, that you're starting to do things. And little by little, you can just change things and, you know, make it a 30 day, 45 or 60 day period and just change it. Because in a Bronx tale from 2010, remember with no money, I put my money in. I didn't have money to say I want to remodel. I did it little by little, painted, streamlined, changed the kitchen around. I was able to do something every six months or every year I put back into the business. And that's what I was able to do in reality, and that's what I did. Yeah, I think people are afraid, right? No matter what it is, you see people, uh, we do a lot of marketing, and we get a lot of questions about marketing, and that's you know create a video or put themselves out there. They're afraid to do things. They're afraid of... Uh, what other people are going to say negatively about whatever it is they're doing, whether that be the video that they produce or raising their menu prices. They don't raise their menu prices for the three people who may complain instead of the other hundred people who are just going to pay that extra money. Yes, you can't let the customer dictate. You cannot let customers dictate your business. You have to know how much your pizza costs you. Multiply that by X and create your net and your, your gross profit. You need to say, listen, if I get a, a, an item, if I get Coca-Cola in my hand, you know that it has to be 55% north profit margin because you didn't do anything to produce it. But if you're making the dough, the sauce, the cheese, and somebody's making it, you need to have an 85% profit margin plus. If you're making it. Right. If you're making a chicken parmesan from scratch, you need to have an 85% profit margin, 80 to 85 north. Because if you're manufacturing a product, you're taking out of the middleman. Yep. If you're making pizza, it needs to be an 85% margin. If you're selling a Coca-Cola product that you didn't do anything. So if you get um, a cake in, if you're getting somebody else's product and it's sitting on your shelf, it's got to be 55% north profit margin. So you need to know your margins. You need to know what you're running at. What is your rent? What is your gas? And what is your electric? Let's start with the basics. Right. We got to start with the basics and we need to know our numbers. If you don't know the basics and don't know your numbers, stop right now. Stop making pizza. <laughs> stop your business. It is the truth. It's the guys I know. On it's, the I, I just talked. The only reason I'm laughing is because I literally just talked to somebody yesterday or the day, not yesterday because it was a Super Bowl. We're recording this the day after the Super Bowl. Um, but it was last week. And, you know, I said to them, 
they were having some problems in their business and they called us and they said, all right, listen, I'll hop on the phone with you. What's the, you know, what do you, what's the cost for your cheese pizza? And they're like, you know what? I don't know. I'm like, listen, if you don't effing know the cost of your cheese pizza, yeah. like, that is the number one item you sell. Like that's the only thing you should know the cost of. If there's one item on the whole thing that you should know what it costs, that's it. And if you don't know that, then no wonder why your business isn't doing well. Yeah, definitely. And you know what I learned to myself? I don't listen to people. I have a recipe book just to, you know, hello, just, attention, everybody. I have a recipe book. I have a closing duties. I have opening duties. I have all these things. Why? Because I'm a business. Right. I don't care if somebody takes my, my pizza sauce recipe and opens up down the block. I'm not, I'm not going to be stubborn and think like, I'm a real business and I need to act like one. McDonald's is so successful. Right. When they're successful, they have schedules up. They have a process up. Why are they doing it and a small business owner isn't? I just, yeah. yeah, there's there's that whole mentality of the 80s and 90s people where they, they're they going to steal well, the I'm, recipe, which is – I even talked to some – Anthony Mangieri, I talked to him, and I just put it up there. It's like, you know what? He's like – that's how the mentality used to be back in the day. It used to be uh, – you know, it was like a competition, but I, 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 feel like, I feel like it's a little bit more open now, which is a good thing. And you are right. Yeah, like, you are the community. business. You community. Are yeah. Everybody makes different pizza. I mean, if you go to everybody's pizzeria, you get to find something different about it. I'm sorry. Every, everybody's pizza is pretty different. Even if you use the same ingredients, which everybody who gets ingredients from Reinhardt or Cisco or whatever it is, you're all kind yeah. of buying the same ingredients. Yeah, it's, and, and it's how you do put things together. Some people don't like to doctor up their sauce. Some people right. don't like to cook their sauce. Some people like to blend their sauce. So it's all different. Some people like to put eggs in their dough. Some people don't put... Some pe- look at look at um look at uh, Roberta's Pizza. What's his name, man? You know, I give him a lot of credit from Roberta's Pizza. Uh, Falco. Yeah, Falco. Um, he he's becoming a guru for all natural eleven pizza. Like, yeah, awesome. You know, it's cool. If you everybody's yeah. different, man. yeah, it's awesome. totally. So let's like. So what what is it like? What are you doing in your business now? So you've obviously opened. When did you open? Where you are now? Two thousand seventeen. So it's been uh, almost September, a year so, and a half almost. And it's been going pretty well for you. Like, what did you guys do to, to be so successful your first year opening? You know, a couple of things. First of all, the market, you know, where you at, how's your supply? How's your demand? I'm in Colorado Springs, guys. I'm not on the Northeast people out here. When you make, if somebody comes out here with talent, they're sick of eating chain food. Yeah. There's not too many, there's not too many people standing up around here for pizza. You got a few, don't get me wrong. There, there are a few and there's a lot that just, you know, and then they get some of the real deal. They get that counter and you see those New York slices where you fold it, you know, in the quality and use it, putting ricotta out of a piping bag and how, you know, cause I try to treat pizza like filet mignon, you know, I don't, Pizza to me is the best is Wagyu. I mean, everything we do on the pizza, I care about each ingredient individually. We caramelize our onions. We roast our vegetables. Every ingredient shines on the pizza. It really means a lot to me on how we put things on a pizza. You know, we don't, when we make a a roasted garden, a vegetable pizza, there's a way that we put the vegetables on. It's not the way you want to do it because I feel that the way the vegetables lay makes a big difference. I feel that roasted red peppers on top, red pops. Spinach should be a base. Like, that's just the way I do things. I feel like, you know, there should be a, a sense of caring and refineness to how you're producing your food to stick out against your competition. And people over here, when they walk in, I'm just so honored to see how we accommodate the customer, how we treat them like family, how we know them by name. It's important to us to know the customer. Because without them, you're dead. Right. And if you don't treat your team right and you don't have nothing in place for them, 
why do they want to come to work? Because me as a pizza man, I didn't want to be a pizza maker anymore for anybody. I wanted to open up my own business because A, I, I wanted to because I felt like I wanted to, but also mm, there's a guy 50 years old next to me who's been working here for 10 years. I'm making just as much money as him. That was nerve wracking. <laughs> Five days a week, open to close. And what kind of retirement did he have? What did he have for himself? He was working and, you know, working hard for these companies and not getting much out of it at the end. And just to let everybody know out there, these companies make, we can make a lot of revenue, but at the end of the day, it's hard to keep money in the bank after employee yeah. um, taxes and after workman's compensation. When you're doing everything by the book, it costs money to do business. It's not easy in the restaurant business because we're so labor intensive. We have a high turnover and that's how, how can you keep people without a high turnover? So we figured how can we salary people where they're stable? How can we give benefits? How can we add value to our company where we're not going to have such a high turnover? And we didn't really talk about much about Facebook or Instagram yet, but we're heavily on there. We are really heavily. We're trying to do videos. We're on there every day doing posts. We're trying to get on there live as much. Like East Village Pizza, I've seen that you did a podcast with yeah, him, right? Frank, yeah. Awesome. Look at, look at how present he is on Instagram. He has 70,000 followers and he's always doing something in his business. That's a difference. Owners who aren't present in their business, how do you expect to be so successful if nobody's driving your business? Somebody's got to drive your business. Yeah, you got to either partner with someone or let one of your team members kind of be in control of that and help you with that. Yeah, right. Absolutely. 100%. What are you using? Are you using Facebook or Instagram more? Which one do you feel like you're using more right now? I'm an Instagram junkie and the general manager is a Facebook junkie. My wife is 50-50. See, we have three of us always on Instagram. Uh, I mean, we have three of us on social media always thinking and collaborating. But I'm going to have to say that I'm really a 50. We're 50-50. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good... Like Instagram is great, but Facebook advertising is still phenomenal. It's amazing. Yeah, you got to realize Instagram is great to have photos of awesome things. And I like Facebook to getting you inside the story, having ads, having videos. Yeah, so you can use each platform differently. And I really like that you can really target to market. You can really target to your customer Yep. for not a lot of money and really get there, guys. And you don't have to trust about somebody firing the door and if the flyer got to the door. Right. Even though I'm not saying that works, too. Because I think boots on the ground, I think all types of advertising, boots on the ground, SEO, because where are the customers today? Guys, we have to just wake up. It's really a no-brainer for me. Everybody's on your damn cell phone. True. Okay. So SEO, search engine optimization. You type in pizza, this and that. You come up on your Google engine. Guys, you got to be present with your search, with your campaigning on how you're doing your search keyword on your engine. So you SEO. Somebody needs to be behind the scene work in the SEO, search engine optimization. Somebody puts pizza in the areas, pizza by the slice, New York style, wood fire, with a brick oven. Boom, you want to pop up. You don't want to have Domino's and Papa John's beating you out. You want to pop up. You want to pop up on the, on the first three. Then you have Instagram and Facebook that everybody's on. 65 years old, or if you're 12 years old, you're on freaking Instagram and Facebook, guys. Use it. It's free. Hello? Your business isn't growing. What are you doing? That's how I feel. No, I, I feel. Yeah, man. Are we truly? Yeah, man. I feel. I feel exactly the same way. Listen, we've built this whole podcast and everything that we do using Facebook and Instagram and email and Twitter and 
uh, you know, SEO. Yeah. We've done all of that, and we don't do any direct mail. Yes. And I'm not saying direct mail is bad. I think that there's a place for it. I think it has to go with, like, what's your marketing budget, what your demographic yep. is, where you're located, yep. who is the and audience. Even, yes, yes. And just to let everybody know, I'm doing 15,000 menus. We just redid our menu, and I met the people in Atlantic City. We went to a, we went to an event, and I also saw you there, Bruce. Yeah. We went to we were in Atlantic City, made a contact, and I got beautiful menus at eleven cents a copy and eleven cents mailed. So you know what, getting out of your comfort zone and also going to these events, business owners, if you can, because in Bronxdale I couldn't, I couldn't afford, you know, it to really go places. To be yeah. quite honest with you, uh, it was hard, and I understand that. But if you can, and go out there and make contacts, I just saved myself you know, 50% on menus because I was going to pay 25, 30 cents a copy. Now I'm paying 11, you know, I, and now I'm going to, you know, yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. I, I totally agree. And when I owned my, uh, my brother-in-law was my partner when we operated and I owned it for, well, I was working there for a long time and then we partnered up and we were owned it together for a while. I never went to the pizza expos either. And like you said, it was the same yeah. thing for me. Like it was just like, you know what? I didn't, I didn't realize what my goal would be for attending those events. And I wish I had a better understanding. I wish I went because if I went, I would have known what it was about and then I could have made a plan sure. better maybe for the second Absolutely. Time. So have faith because that first time you go to the Pizza Expo, it's going to be overwhelming or any event, sure. Mid-America Restaurant Expo, the National Restaurant Expo in Chicago or the Pizza Expo, all of those things. The first time you go, it's going to be overwhelming and you're really not going to know what to expect, but you got to go because then the next year when you go, you'll have a plan. You know, yeah, it's definitely true. When I went to Vegas the first first time, I was overwhelmed. I didn't think I did enough, but guess what? Then I went to Atlantic City. This is my second time going to Vegas. I already got things going on because you make contacts, yeah. you stay in touch, and now now we're gonna now things are gonna unfold. We're gonna prosper in certain areas, like know people in the industry, talk about certain things, get encouragement, get inspired, because this is a beautiful business. Pizza is life. It is a culture. It is a community. There is no racism in pizza. We can go to Japan right now. Me and you can open up a pizzeria. We would be friends with Japanese people the first day. <laughs> yeah. right. Everybody eats pizza, man. It's a True. beautiful thing. And we just need to listen to other people that have been in the grind. Guys, $4.3 million is not bad for a kid that didn't, I didn't, I just barely got out of high school and, but I didn't make anything from it. So listening, just listen, getting that nugget saying, guys, I did make some revenue, but I didn't make any money. But now I'm making revenue. Now I'm making money. Here's what I'm doing. Got rid of the oversized menu. Streamline my process. Put benefits and added value to my company from my employees. Heavily on social media. Heavily on the search engine optimization. And I'm getting out there and I'm networking. Okay? I think without those things all play a part. It's hard work day in, day out. If you're a business owner, you signed up for it. You got to do it. If not and you fail, hey. If you don't put in the work, you're going to fail, and I'm sorry. Yeah. I love it because, like you said, you're a business owner, and you signed up to own that business. I don't care if you bought it in 1974 or in 2010. You bought that yeah. business. Now the times yeah. change, and if you want to yeah, get customers right. and communicate with them, you got to go yep. online. That's where people are just hanging out. Yes, and I want to just give props to Paulie G. Paulie G is a guy that has owned pizzerias for a long time now, but look at him. He teams up with Mike's Hot Honey. He's very heavily on the social media. Yeah. He does a great job. And kudos to him because he opened a pizzeria 20-something years ago, I'm sure. And now look at him today. He's modernized. He understands. He's going out to dinner with people with Mike's Hot Honey, and Mike's Hot Honey is half his age. Why? They're learning from each other, man. Yeah, totally. About. What are you most excited about in your business right now? Um, I'm really excited to grow this business with the people that have been here and give them an opportunity to own ownership 
in the company of Slice 420. Right now, we want to get a food truck and we want to get another brick and mortar, but food truck first. So we, we want to expand. I'm very excited to expand this year. That's why, what I'm excited for. Why a food truck, real quick? Sorry. Why a food truck and not just a second location? Because I already have the commissary kitchen, which yeah. is my kitchen. I already have a team that we're bursting at the seams, which means that I have a very good team and we have plenty and we have they have enough hours where I can give more hours. I'm freed up right now where I don't even have to work here and this place can do good where I can actually go put my time into expanding this business. And I like it on the food truck because it's to keep my overhead expenses really low. I'm already paying a rent. I'm already paying electric. I'm only paying gas. I already got it pretty much the payroll. So my payroll's going to jump a little bit. And here's another cool thing. Food cost, you don't sell the dough. It can come back to your establishment if it remains in temp. It left the thing. It's in a fridge. It can come back the next day and you can sell it during the day. Yeah. There's no waste. Of, there's no waste. If you want a brick and mortar, right. Yeah, there's no waste if you have a food truck and own a brick and mortar. And there's no other expenses of having to rent out a kitchen. I am the kitchen. <laughs> right. A lot of people have and, a hard time with that when they own a food truck. They don't and, really and, know where to produce the products. They have to go and that's right. And you're right. And then Laura, the, my general manager, she, she likes the fact that um, we've been invited out to a lot of events already. So there's already a big market for us to tap into. That's It's not like we're just going blind. Yeah, that's what we, I was getting at there. Like, is there already yeah, a market there? Been, you know, we've been asked, you know, receptions, parties, you know, all kinds of things. So that's really going to be an extension, not just for being outside of a nightclub on Friday, but booking a party, being outside of a corporate event, going to a school, you know, all those kind of things. It's just another revenue stream. Um, with better profit margins because I have a brick and mortar, I will be able to keep more of that money because I have less money going out because I already have my commissary kitchen. I already have my overhead expenses paid. What do you, uh, so let me ask you this question then. What are you most concerned about in the restaurant space? Like what do you, what do you worry about at night about this business? Getting too big, getting too big, too quick, you know, Opening four locations too fast, um, being smart and having things planned out um, has made me be less fearful of not jumping into a 5,000 square foot location with a huge menu and having to worry about paying $200,000 a month in bills. Right. You know, making it smaller and sticking to what I do best, making pizza, that's what I do best. And that's what I'm sticking with. It's fun, creative, has great margins. We have salads and sandwiches and crepes. My partner is a, sh a French chef, yeah. but he doesn't just do crepes and pastries. That's just an addition to our business. He's a real chef. He right. can do anything you want, but that's what he takes care of. There's great margin in crepes, great margin in pastries. So we try to have that slice and that dessert takeaway. Like, all right, man, I'm going to go in there and get a slice and a Nutella crepe. Perfect. The crepe takes 20 seconds. You got 95% margins on on Nutella crepe. It's batter and Nutella. You make great margins, guys. You sell it for $5, it costs you about a dime. So that's where we're at with that. Um, and yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing this year is expanding. You know, like you said, what, what, what frightens me at night, it's failure, of course. That's going to be anybody failing, you know, but also remembering to stay in my britches, you know, yeah. stay, in, stay in my lane. Do what I do best. Be aggressive, but don't overspread yourself too thin. Like, you know, 
I'm, I'm in the pizza business, but you know, now I'm going to open up, you know, a bookstore across the street or, you know, don't, don't venture off into stupid things either, you know, stay in your lane, do good, do well. And, uh, you know, and don't stay stagnant. You know, yeah. we're not sitting still. You're, you're, you know, you're so educa- the food truck. You can always find an education. It's either going to cost you in your experience or it's going to cost you by you like teaming up with somebody or going somewhere to learn from their experience, which usually comes from them trying. A lot of that time yeah. you learn from failing, which is it sucks at the time. But sometimes you learn the most from yeah. when you tried something and you failed at it. It's really the truth. And, you know, don't. <laughs> I get it. You're getting a loan from your mom or dad or something, putting into the business. It's people have dreams and they use other people's money for their dreams. Try to use your own money. It's much, you know, you know what What happens is when you use somebody else's money, you don't have that fire under your ass as much as if you use it on your own or you try to build it with from within. And then yeah. failing becomes much easier. That is the, that's the God's honest truth. And that is it. When you use your own money and you have to, you have to figure everything out. You're going to watch those pennies, every single penny that comes in or goes out. You're going to know exactly where it's coming from because it's going to be yours, not somebody else's that they gave it to you. Definitely. So let me uh, – I know I had you on the phone for a while now. Where can people go check you out online or on social or where are you going to be that they can come visit you? Yeah, so I'm in Colorado Springs, Colorado, in old Colorado City. So we're in a historical district. It's a cute area. Um, we have God and the Gods, Pikes Peak around us. You can find us on Slice420.com, Facebook, Slice420, Instagram, Slice420, Twitter, Slice420. Um, you know, we're everywhere. We are redoing our website right now. So we're going to have a really cool website. We're picking a charity. We're doing some things with charity this year. We have a, we have a different vision. Like, we're really going to make this about my daughter because I'm only in Colorado for Sophia where we gain legal uh, access to marijuana for her seizures. So we really, we really want to encourage and empower people for the same situation that we had to face and just bring hope to people and use pizza as the platform. Slice420.com, Instagram, Facebook, once again, give us a check, give us a follow. We would really appreciate it. And we just thank everybody out there in the pizza industry. And thank you as well for having us on the show. Your show is really inspiring because – it, it, it helps, you know, you get to hear other people, what they're doing. So it's been an awesome, it's been awesome to meet you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thanks a lot. Man. Yeah, I mean, we'll link everything up in the show notes, all of the social platforms. And uh, if you're doing any appearance, I know you said you're going to come out for the Pizza Expo. The Pizza Expo may have already happened by the time this episode comes out, but will you be okay. in New Jersey at the next year? Yeah, I'm definitely going to make it. I'm definitely going to be in Jersey and Atlantic City again. No doubt about it. All right, cool. So if you're, to- if you're going to Jersey, uh, Hit them up on Instagram or Facebook and let them know you're going to be there and you guys can meet up. And we'll link everything up in the show notes for this episode as well. Yeah, absolutely. And is there anything I can ever do to help contribute to anybody? You know, all you got to do is direct message. They can find me. You know, we all have pains in our business. Everybody, I think, can help everybody, I think, in this business. And sometimes it's just messaging somebody and asking a question on how to do something can totally change your perspective. So don't be afraid to ask. You always can direct message me. I don't care who you are with a question. And I've been doing this for over 25 years. You know, I understand what it takes. I know the pains. I know the struggles. I know the success. Christian, man, it was awesome talking to you. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Have a great day, brother. Keep kicking butt in the pizza game. I'll see you soon, man. Yeah. Also, thank you to our sponsor for this episode. The second sponsor for the podcast here, it's Mail Shark. 
If you're looking for a direct mail full service company to help you advertise your restaurant, you got to check out the Mail Shark. Over the past decade, they've helped thousands of pizzerias just like yours grow their sales with custom direct mail solutions. Mail Shark knows how hard it can be to find the money and consistently market your business and restaurant. That's why they give you the option of spreading your mailings and payments out over several weeks, which is cool. It's the approach that helps free up cash flow and gives you a steadier stream of new customers so you can better plan for food and staffing requirements over time so you're not having blasted all in one week best of all they let you get started with no money down if you want to learn more about the mail shark and how they can help your restaurant grow with direct mail check out the forward slash spm or you can call 484-240-2854 again that's the forward slash spm you got to put the slash spm in there so they know you came from the spm podcast all right guys let me know if you have any questions. I am working on a Q&A episode. I know I say that for the last couple of shows, but we're going to have a, I want to do more Q&A episodes for Facebook and for YouTube and possibly do a large uh, Q&A episode for this. I'm also working on some roundtable discussions and I'm going to be bringing you, I just spoke at Social Media Examiner Marketing World 2019 and there was a ton of great speakers in there on specific topics. So I'm going to be starting to bring in some more uh, I know the guests that I've had on are great, and I love talking to operators, but I really want to start bringing in some experts with specific tactics, SEO, Google business pages, YouTube, YouTube advertising, Facebook advertising, bots, specific experts that I know are great, not only great people who do great things, but are, are great speakers and communicators because I've met them at this marketing conference. And I want to start bringing them in to do some of those interviews here. So if you have a question or you have a suggestion topic that you want to cover, like a specific area, that you want to see covered, shoot me an email, bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com and we can make that happen. Also, go check out our YouTube channel. Lots of great videos over there. All the videos we do on the podcast, we do on video form and sometimes we break them down into shorter micro content as well. And on Instagram, at smartpizzamarketing, follow us on Instagram. Shoot me a direct message and let me know you heard them. You heard this episode number 228 of the podcast. Maybe you can let me know which episode you want to hear there where I can follow you. That'd be cool too. All right, guys, have a great week, and we'll see you on the next one.